So we're saying hats off to you, um, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, on that achievement. So let's let's take a quick listen to our beautiful Mikkel Henderson as she does the Caricom anthem. And I will I'm not going to play the entire anthem. I'm going to cut it short and then play the St. Vincent and the Grenadines national anthem. And when we come back, we'll be joined on the phone from Toronto um, by Mr. John Allen of the OECS Caribbean Nationals Council of Canada. Let's listen to Mikkel Henderson as she does the CARICOM anthem. distant lands our forefathers came some seeking adventure some bound in chains through battles waged and fought through victory and pain by test of their courage our freedom was given You know, there are many choices when it comes to domain registration, web hosting, and dedicated servers. But I have to tell you about Jocko Hosting. They're simply the best. With their 99.9% uptime guarantee, 24-7 sales and support teams, you'll never have to worry. Get in touch with them today. They offer plenty of other products and services like SSL certificates, managed WordPress, and more. Call or click today, 480-624-2500. Jocko.com. That's J-A-C-H-Q-O dot com. A G-N-D Enterprises, Inc. dot com service. Nubian kings and queens, are you or is someone you know suffering from constant bad hair days because of hair loss or alopecia? Think there's no hope for regrowing your crowning glory? Try Protress, organic hair products made from the finest and most holistic ingredients such as rosemary, nettle, and passion flower. Protress hair products encourages hair growth, prevents hair breakage, and strengthens weak, fragile, or breaking afro hair. Regenerate and regrow long, thick curls, kinks, and coils with Protress. Visit Protress Hair Care. Dot co dot uk. That's protresshaircare.co.uk to order your monthly supply today. Hello, listeners. I'll just say thank you to our sponsors. Um, so, as I said, um, tomorrow, the 27th of October, is the Independence Day, Independence Celebration for St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So, to salute them, all of our, our St. Vincent, Parsi, St. Vincent and the Grenadines people, happy independence. 
to you. national anthem because it was sung by the people themselves. Um, kids and it looked like persons dressed in the St. Vincent and the Grenadines football team uniform um, right. choir and that sort of thing. But we're back and um, I, as I told you before, we took the break to, to play the anthem, the Karukam anthem as well as the St. Vincent and the Grenadines anthem. Our guest tonight on this week in interview is Mr. John Allen. John is the chairman of the OECS Nationals Council of Canada. And so he's joining us today in that capacity. But uh, just uh, we begin, let's give him a very warm welcome to TDNRadio.net and this week in interview. A very warm welcome to you, John. Welcome to this week in interview. Thank you very much, uh, Tony. It's, it's a pleasure to be on TDN and to have this opportunity to have a conversation with you. Certainly. So John um, represented the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis in Canada as the Honorary Consul, Consul General and Director of Canadian Operation. And he did that from 1997 to 2016. Very, very long service, um, John. And even if I'm not from St. Kitts and Nevis, um, it's fitting as a person of the OECS to say thank you for all that service. Thank you very much, uh, Tony. It was indeed a very special privilege to represent the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis for this, uh, for that period of time. You know, it is quite an, an extreme honor. And it gave me an opportunity to make a contribution, you know, to the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis. And also provided me an opportunity to engage my fellow national, Caribbean nationals, as well as OECS nationals here in Toronto, Canada. So it, it was it was quite a journey, 
And as I said, it provided me an opportunity to make a contribution in, in many respects. Well, certainly, you did this. You were in that position practically for 20 years. And Pretty uh, much, 19 and a little bit. 19 yes. and some. And in during that time, the well, the world went through a lot of changes in 20 years. Um, the Caribbean went through a lot of changes and a lot of challenges. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, the various experiences that you had representing um, St. Kitts and representing the interest of St. Kitts and Nevis in that position? Well, in a sense, it gave me an opportunity not only to learn about St. Kitts, about, but also St. Kitts and Nevis, but also to learn about uh, its affiliation with uh, its regional organization like the OECS as well as the as well as CARICOM. Uh, the position also provided me an opportunity to do some traveling to represent not only in Taiwan, in Germany, in Nigeria, in, in different capacities, but uh, it gave me a chance to participate in what I see as a, a major transformation that not only took place in, in Senkis and Nevis over that period in terms of the economic movements of, of the economy, but also to see transformation generally within the region, you know, which I think was very positive. Uh, that, that's, that's great because, you know, um, I, I, in my position as host of this week in interview, I get the, the opportunity to speak to so many Caribbean nas nationals, people of Caribbean descent, either first generation or, or children of Caribbean immigrants who, who migrate to the U.S., to Canada, to the U.K. And, and it's amazing the, the quality and the, the caliber of the persons who we get to represent us on the international stage. And, and so my, hat's go, my hat goes off to, um, to you guys, you know, representing your, your, or us at, at the diplomatic level. But John, when I, I, I was um, preparing for this show, I realized that you, even outside of um, your role as general counsel, you seem to be involved in development of one type or another you, as a business consultant um, and, and working in your various positions. So tell, let's give our listeners a little bit more background of, of who you are and the work that you've done. Yes, uh, uh, basically, uh, prior to coming into the diplomatic service, I was in the private sector, first in, in retail and banking, in, in a managerial role, and had a short stint with the Ontario government in the policy position with the Ministry of Revenue. And uh, <clears throat> so really, I, I think my preparation really took place within the private sector. And I think that was good groundwork in terms of developing leadership skills and really understanding the corporate sector in which you had to function. In the role as uh, Honorary Consul General, you're basically functioning between government and, and the private sector. You're interfacing with different institutions, even in Canada at different levels, federal, provincial. But you're also fully engaged with the various institutions within whatever island state you represent. You know, whether it be the Ministry of Tourism, in my case it was in many cases, or the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, which was a, a major factor in, in particularly my role. So it, it really prepared me for that particular expanded role in terms of being able to fully engage the private sector, which you know is critical in terms of being able to facilitate investment back, back into the region. Okay, and, and we hopefully we'll get a chance to touch back on your banking experience because I know um, the Caribbean banks are facing some challenges right now 
as a result of some of recent legislature, particularly by um, the United States. But we can touch back on that, because I'm anxious to to talk about the main um, thrust of our conversation tonight, which is the OECS National Council of Canada. So, so let's um, give us a little background how the organization started, what the goals and objectives. Just talk in general about the work that the organization does. Yeah. Essentially, we, we got going as the OECS working group around 2008. But uh, as a prelude to that, you know, the, the OECS community in Canada, from my experience, has been very active over the years. You know, many of the associations that exist within the OECS diaspora in Canada, uh, many of them are 30 plus years in terms of the, since they've been founded. So many of them have been very active even prior to many of these countries coming to independence. So there is a tradition of giving and supporting and working together, you know, in supporting whatever prospective state you came from within within the region. So there was a good solid foundation on which to build on. And a number of us came together in 2008 and decided to to establish a working group, a OECS working group it was called then. And this includes uh, individuals from Antigua, Barbuda, Dominica, Grenada, Montserrat, St. Nevis, St. Lucia, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, uh, Anguilla. And we came together in collaboration with not only the associations that has been around for quite some time, but individuals in the community, as well as uh, the council core representative from these particular states. So it was quite a collaboration to come together to work in the interest of the, of our, of our community. And, uh, Ideally, the, the organization itself is, is, is focused on continuing in that vein to build, support and build OECS communities in the region as well as in Canada in a sustainable way. So, so um, does, the, does it act almost like an umbrella organization collaborating with Organization from the various islands. Is that a, do you do that a lot, or do you just move most of your stuff? Essentially, essentially we, 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 it's a collaboration, really, a collaboration and cooperation along the same tenant as the existence of the OECS in, commission in, uh, in in the region. So you will find that we'll collaborate in doing a number of activities uh, over a period of time. The focus being really to build the level of consciousness about uh, the region in Canada. So we will, on an annual basis, next year we will celebrate the 36th anniversary, and we will have obviously a church service. Uh, we're hoping to have a forum. We have we will have a discussion about the, the OECS and the work of the OECS. And also one of the focus that we put on is to uh, for cultural development. We have a uh, a food fair and entertainment where we try to bring the community together to to engage. And for next year, we hope that if all goes well, we'll be able to launch an OECS national, uh, OECS uh, Chamber of Commerce. And obviously that will take it to a different level. But the, the intent really is to continue to, to build on the cultural experience that many of the association has over the years, really, given life to, you know, in terms of keeping the OECS culture alive, or Caribbean culture alive within, within Canada. So, actually, that is how um, I, we found out about the organization, is because you, you recently 
held your um, OECS food fair in Toronto. So, so right. we'll take a few minutes and talk about um, that event, how you know how it was organized, you know, and and so on. What what was involved? What countries were participating? And so on. Essentially, we essentially we try to engage as broad a group as we can. So we involve all of the association, and it's basically a full day event where we will have uh, various islands presenting their different foods. And throughout the day, we'll have a certain amount of cultural presentation, mm-hmm. uh, first with uh, our music. And this is something that uh, everyone collaborates on, the council, the, uh, the community, the associations, and the broader Canadian public. And again, the intent really is to build awareness and continue to support the development of, uh, of uh, OECS culture and Caribbean culture in Canada. So this year was, your first, was the first event, right? Uh, no, we've, we've been having the event for a while. I think since we launched the council in 2003, the official launch, we've been having it every year since then. So the food fair, you've been having it all this time? Yes, we've been having it all this time, on a, on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. The, the potential for it to be done on a larger scale, I think we'll see that next year, because now you find that we are broadening it to in group, include other groups that have been very successful in promoting their Eastern Caribbean culture, for instance, the Grenada Day Committee, which has been very successful in promoting Grenada culture uh, for the last 10 years, you know, and now you have Dominica Day, which is coming on stream, you know, that you can collaborate with, you know. <clears throat> and the intent is to continue to promote that, that type of activity. We recently have had the Madam of Madam show in Toronto promoting Dominica culture very recently. So in, in that context, you know, we continue to, to support and build on the community experience. Certainly, and I want to put a plug in there for tdnradio.net, because as, as our listeners know, we did cover the, the food fair um, that you had um, two weeks ago. Also, we carried live on our sister station, TDN um, TV, and also yeah. on TDN Radio, we covered the Madame of Madame what yet. And, and, and I'm very excited about the, the idea of the food fair because uh, one of the observations that I have is that we don't, somehow we don't seem to develop our cuisine, uh, or, or the OECS island. So, for example, most cities you go, you go to in the U.S., you might run into a, a Jamaican restaurant. That's um, correct. You might run into a Trinidad um, restaurant where you get your roti and your boss up shot. And but you don't see a Grenada or Saint Kitts restaurant or or Saint Lucia. We might find a Caribbean restaurant that's owned by somebody from one of those countries, but right. but but we don't see a, a restaurant. The closest we come to is um there is a bread bakery in Brooklyn, not far from where I live, called um back back home bakery. And I think okay. the proprietors are Grenadian and they, they do a lot of Grenada type bread. You know, they had dough bread and the, um, right. and the, the coconut bakes and that sort of thing. And, and so it's, it's distinctly Grenadian as opposed to just another Caribbean, um, bakery. So, so I, I would love to see that type of, um, development coming from the food fair, like, as you have where, where, we showcase not only you showcase the food to to the to the people coming in, 
but even the persons who are preparing the food to present to the public become more confident in in their skills and their, and you know, to present the food. So yeah. I, I know something I figure we probably could keep track of to see if we could develop an OECS cuisine where somebody recognizes a, a restaurant as an OECS restaurant and they go there for a particular food that's, you know. That's well, as you know, Tony, you know, that the area of catering is, is, a, is uh, a business that, you know, many of our people are, are into. Right. You know, catering food is a form of supporting their livelihoods. So we'll be hoping that will give some impetus to that particular area of the economy within, within our own uh, community, you know. Right, because, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, so somebody has an OECS restaurant or, or, or St. Lucian restaurant or Dominican restaurant, although although I am a very, very strong advocate for the Caribbean going forward as one nation, right. I don't see it in conflict because even if we become one nation, we still are going to have our individual identities. That's correct. Yeah, we have variety, yes. Right. So you will always be a Kittishan, I will always be a Dominican, but that doesn't mean that we cannot fully be a, an, a, a citizen of CARICOM or whatever yeah. we choose to call the state that we would become. And um, so so I, I guess developing that type of our cuisine where it's distinctly identified that this is that part of, this is that sub-region of the Caribbean, I guess in that sense pushes us closer to realize in the dream that we, you know, as a people we've developed enough that we can present ourselves to the world as an OECS. You know? I do believe this type of, of cultural activity over time will will we generate some kind of uh, development within the community to that extent. I mean, as you know, as you make reference to say Jamaica, where jerk is well known, you know, and uh, I guess part of that is the people that travel to these islands, yeah, particularly to Jamaica, uh, become familiar with the local cuisine, and that that's a factor also in terms of you know having that kind of clientele wanting to visit uh, a specific business. Yes, and, and so, right, and, and, and that is what, that's what I'm saying. But also, uh, John, if we were to dwell a little bit more on the collaborative part of it, um, let's talk about collaboration among island people. Let's spend some time on that. Because yeah. I, I like to, to say that we're not one country, not because our people don't want to be one country, but because our politicians haven't um, yet figured out how to do it. So in your experience working with, you know, the various groups, people from the different islands, tell us about the experience of how, or whether you, you, you think that there's, we have so much more in common than we have differences and how that you know, the different diversity uh, uh, that results from that collaboration, how you, how you are able to harness that diversity for, for, for good results? Well, uh, from my experience, I mean, I think it is very well understood that we have a common colonial history, and I think that that's part of a common experience in terms of coming from a colonial background and then moving into independence and wanting to assert our independence in a, in a specific way. And I think the diaspora as it exists, my experience is that the diaspora as it functions within Canada, it, it makes an attempt to to celebrate 
independence and to celebrate our achievements. And you see, over the years, you've noticed the collaboration between association. It's probably not as intense as you would like it to be, but there is collaboration. There's still a lot of work to be done in terms of building on the communication and building a better model for engagement. And I think the OECS Council will provide some guidance in, in that direction. And uh, I also do believe that uh, the commitment from the people is there. You know, you can tell when there's, for instance, with, uh, when there's an emergency in terms of a hurricane damage or earthquake, we come together very quickly and we tend to lend support. I think what we need to see more going forward is a more sustainable activity within the community, not only just on during an emergency situation, but over the long term, provide assistance in whether it be in technology, in education, and in any particular area. And one common area that the organizations also have is many of these organizations have been contributing to the national development in the OECS region, you know, not only to uh, remittances, but in terms of assisting specific schools in the region. Hospital programs are very popular and they tend to raise funds to support various hospital groups within the region and also to support uh, the less fortunate in the region. So. Each community has that similarity in terms of wanting to see their prospective nations move forward, so they make their contribution. So we hope, and the hope is that by true collaboration, we can amass uh, more wealth, so to speak, that we can make a bigger impact in terms of uh, of what's happening down there. At the same time, also drive the development here within our community because the communities here are having similar challenges, you know, with as any other community within within North America. But the I think we have a lot of commonalities that we will continue to work on and we will continue to build the necessary community infrastructure going forward to make our activities more sustainable. So uh one one of the one of the experiences that I have with Caribbean um, communities in in the U.S. that are Caribbean people, we achieve a lot, and also a lot of Caribbean, for example, a lot of Caribbean people are homeowners, and and therefore in the communities where we where we have a strong representation, we contribute a lot to taxes, and but where I find that's that's normally lacking is on the on the flip side. A lot of Caribbean people don't um, get involved in the political part of of the communities, whether to right. sit on community yeah. boards and 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 to be more influential in the decisions that that they make. Is yeah, that, yeah, is that something that your organization um, addresses? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Even within the community here, there's also I think there's a fairly high percentage of home ownership within the Eastern Caribbean community. You know, which, which is a very positive thing. But you're right, there is probably a bit of lack in terms of getting more actively involved in the Canadian politics and more civil activity. And that is something we are encouraged to see people get involved at the municipal level, at the provincial level, and even at the federal level. But we do have some representation at that level now, even though it may not be very strong. But, uh, we, that's something we are encouraging. The, you know the various groups within the, the community to encourage their citizens to become.
become more active in, in the political process. As you know, we have a very strong tradition of democracy in the Caribbean. So really, it shouldn't be new to us here in Canada being part of the Commonwealth. So part of going forward is the attempt to continue to educate and make sure that we move meetings in that direction. Be- yeah, because uh, if, if we get involved at that level, certainly our, our contribution to the development of our of the OECS region would, would certainly be multiplied and would have more of an impact. I remember uh, during the time of Bill Clinton's presidency, um, the, the U.S. government was issuing doing a very, very strong challenge to the Caribbean region because we were we were developing our offshore banking sector, and it was it, it, it was very significant how the Caribbean region did not seem to have much of a voice pushing back against that um, from a from a from within. Like Bill Clinton, I remember he came to Barbados and presented whatever. But uh, some if we had if we had more of our politicians involved at the various levels, I think some of those issues could be could be mitigated from the inside. A similar scenario, um, talking from the OECS level, when our banana regimes were challenged at the World Trade Organization um, by the United States in, in trying to um, break our quota with the UK in right. terms of um, the, um, Del Monte and, and these other groups. Chiquita. Right. We, we, don't, we didn't have... So the politicians, for example, Brooklyn. Brooklyn is the sections of Brooklyn where districts in Brooklyn are almost all Caribbean. Our representative from that district should be should be able to represent our interests. And if he doesn't represent or she doesn't represent our interests, be fearful at the next poll. And 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 so organizations like like your council, I believe, can be very instrumental in, in educating persons of Caribbean um, descent. Right, to yeah. get involved, to get involved at that level. Right. And, I mean, even if the representative is not of Caribbean heritage, it's still incumbent on the individual in the community to, to lobby, to lobby your representative, you know, and, and be aware, at least make them aware of, of your concern, you know, because as I said, you're taxpaying citizens, you know, we are, you know, we are, we are citizens and we are, we are contributing to the, to the national interest, you know. Let it be here in the United States of America. So yes, I think more actively being engaged in the politics of the your, your adopted country, I think is relevant. You know, and that certainly will you know must redound to some benefit to to the to wider community in the region. You know, specific depending on certain policies. Yeah. So you you mentioned about um, interest in developing an OECS Chamber of Commerce. Talk about that vision a little bit more for um, listeners. But before you do that, I just realized um, that we were remiss in saying what the OECS stands for. <laughs> we just assume that everybody knows what it is. <laughs> I just got a, a text from, from one of the listeners that, what are you guys talking about? Okay, so, <laughs> so the OECS uh, stands for the Organization of... Eastern Caribbean says, "Go ahead, take it away." And, and you know, if you can, if you have the list of, of countries that, um, that yeah, it's, it's the <clears throat> it speaks to the organization of Eastern Caribbean states, which is really nine states, uh, which which we came about as a result of the signing of the Treaty of Bastia, 
And the, the signatures to that original treaty was uh, Antigua at the time, uh, Antigua, Dominica, Grenada, Montserrat, Tenkitson, Nevis, St. Lucia, St. Vincent, and the Grenadines. And then at a later date, you had Anguilla and the British Virgin Islands. And I understand now Matinique is becoming part of that, part of that framework. <clears throat> so you do have a number of independent states represented at the United Nations, and then you have uh, two states which are still part of the, the British sphere, so to speak. A population of roughly about 600,000 people in, in the region. Only 600,000? Yeah, 600,000. Maybe a little more than 600,000. Oh, I thought we had, I thought we had just a million people in the sub-region. Wow. Yeah, and that's the reason for, for the region I was speaking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, the introduction of Martinique is interesting because, um, Martinique is, is a department of France, which means that Martinique correct, yeah. is part of the EU. Now, I remember we had a prime minister in Dominica, um, Roosevelt Douglas, Roosie Douglas. That is correct. Um, the, the late Douglas. He used to talk about that all the time because, you know, Dominica is, 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 is between Martinique and Guadeloupe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Roosie was quite a regionalist, you know? Right. But not only that, he used to say, yeah. he used to say essentially Dominica is part of the European Union because to our north and to our south, we are sandwiched by the European Union. And right. I remember when he, when he said that, um, a lot of people were skeptical and cynical and, and not very kind in their criticism of what he was saying. But um, the introduction of Martinique into the OECS um, subgrouping is, is interesting um, and, and shows some of that vision that, that Rosie had. So, so let's talk a little bit about the, um, the vision of um, your, your council to develop the Chamber of Commerce, a Chamber of OECS Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, uh, could you repeat that for me again, Tony? No, yeah, I was saying before I ask you to clarify what OECS stands for, right. I was asking you to, to talk a little bit about the vision of your organization, the OECS Nationals. Council of Canada, the vision right. is you mentioned at the, at the top of the, sh of the program that um, the formation of uh, OECS Chamber of Commerce is, is part of the vision of your organization. So can you talk about what that vision will entail and, and what the benefits of that would be? Well, the benefit of it really is, uh, again, raise the level of consciousness about the, the region, not only on the, the cultural level, but more on the commercial level. You know, as, as you know, Toronto is still very much <coughs> the heartland of uh, commerce and business within Canada. And uh, I think there's a lot of good examples of there. For instance, the, the European Union has a, a chamber of commerce, you know, and, and various countries have chambers of commerce, and they function in different capacities. And what it does, it gives them opportunity to really to expose uh, institution in the region to the Canadian sphere, so to speak, you know. And so it will give us an opportunity to not only engage members in the region in various capacity in terms of attracting investments, in terms of training and development, in terms of uh, engaging the various uh, commercial sectors in the region in a more efficient way. 
So, so really, by establishing such an entity, I believe, again, it will take it to a different level in terms of exposing the, uh, the private sector in Canada. Because the intent is really to build confidence and knowledge about the region. Because, you know, the, the OECS region is, is, is a zone of peace. Right? The Caribbean generally is a zone of peace. And in that context, when you compare to other regions of the world, there's no reason we should not be attracting far more investment to the region. You know, uh, you know the OECS currency, which which has been around for quite some time and is quite stable, and uh, our banking system is one of one of the best performing globally, to my knowledge. You know, so really, there's no reason why we shouldn't really be tracking a lot more more investment into the region. And part of that activity, a chamber of commerce can really expose the commercial sector here to various. Uh, I think that that is critical, um, and you 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 alluded to it a little bit, which is uh, so far we've done an excellent job at presenting our culture and our heritage to toward our adopted homes, and I think if we can achieve a similar make similar achievement on the commercial and and financial and economic um, stages areas or sectors. Uh, we, we we could reap equal equally um, stellar rewards. You you mentioned the banking system, and it's, it's, it's strange you, you went there because my next question was going to go in that direction yeah. about the um, Eastern Caribbean Central Bank, which is which is uh, has the headquarters, the central office in Saint Kitts, yeah. um, and um, amazing amazing achievement. Um, the organization, the bank, that central bank, being able to achieve so much stability of our currency. For, I mean, the, yeah, that really make a, a very, very great impact in terms of our, our financial system and bringing a measure of stability to the system. You know, if I'm, uh, what I understand is that the attempt is really to straighten the system by. Uh, reducing the number of, of banks, and but again, that's something that happened over time. Uh, some kind of consolidation, you know, right, it, right, it can take place. And so, there's a, there's a strong history of consolidation in terms of uh, building uh, strength within within the system. So, I think there's, there's a long benefit that we can have from continuing along that line. No, I, I think the central bank is an example of of a well-run institution. That's that's organized and operated by our people. It's it's, yes. it's a shining example of that. And, and again, we have the, the Eastern Caribbean Stock Exchange. Huh? Are you familiar with that? Because I, I, somebody asked me about that, and I said I think we have a stock exchange. I am not. I must confess, I'm not as knowledgeable. Do you have one of the most advanced electronic uh, exchange in the world? Really, you know, and many of our major companies are listed on that exchange. You know, so. so do you work, I mean, there's a website and stuff where you can actually go and trade and buy shit? There's a website you can go to and it will give you more information on, on that particular activity. Okay, so I'm going to take this as my homework and I might ask you for assistance on that. To do some research on the Eastern Caribbean Stock Exchange and um, to, to bring that information to, to my audience. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I, you know, I, I really like to highlight the stability that we've been able to achieve. When when you think about 
the fact that we have one central bank that's managing and governing a currency that's used in nine, well, not, not nine because, um, well, it should be nine. Angola uses, Angola and the British Virgin Islands uses mostly, um, U.S. currency. But, but almost nine sovereign countries with their own Ministry of Finance and their own, um, laws and, and rules. And we've been able to put together a central bank that has been strong enough to, to manage and govern that currency for such a long time. When we look at the global market and the amount of, of turbulence and turmoil right. that happens in the global market, that is no small achievement. The turbulence, you know, the, 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 cri- the, the crisis of 2008, I believe our banking system, like Canada, was able to really cushion from that shock. And it, it, it really tells you about the type of leadership we have within the financial sector within the region, you know. So we, we have to be extremely proud of that, you know. And it, it's amazing because you, and you know, I, I think is because we have so little interference from the politicians that the, 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 the organization is, a, is, is allowed to run and be run by professionals. I, I, yes, I, I think that that's part of it. You know, you have professionals that are running the operation, and they they fully they have a good understanding not only of the regional financial uh, situation as it exists, but understand the global context in which they have to function. You know, and it it, it it's an attest to the caliber of people we have running these institutions. You know? And certainly, and the proactiveness that is demonstrated, because even as you alluded to. Right now, I think there's a move to harmonize um, all of the banking laws and, and regulations throughout all the countries, and to and to regulate the banks a little a little more closely. I remember last year, earlier this year, Dominica and, and some of the other islands passed the um, Banking Act as yeah. as drafted by the central bank. So so that that we salute. I, it, it would be amazing. If we could get a similar result with Riyadh, you know, um, the, our airline, our original airline, um, right. if, we, if we could have it run in a similar manner. But also, uh, um, the, the Eastern Caribbean Telecommunication Regulatory Body, ECTEL. Yes. Are you familiar with ECTEL's work? I, I'm not I'm familiar with it that it exists, and I know it. It's also uh, one of those organizations that, that is established and is an overriding authority in the telecommunication sector. Right, and they, they're doing an excellent job as well in right. managing um, telecommunications, the internet and telephone primarily. But I think they get a little involved as well as as more broadcasts. You've got to have a very strong telecommunication system, particularly when you're tracking investments, you know. Exactly have to be able to communi- communicate in real time, you know, to, to, to do business. So, Ectel has been doing a, a good job in, um, in in trying to make sure that the, the rules are the same as you go from one from one country to the next. I think they're doing an excellent job with that. So, that's another yeah. example. Also, I, I there is the OECS um, Court of Appeal. So, we do have some um, in the judicial arena as well, where persons uh, can appeal to the OECS Court of Appeal before they go to the Privy Council. Yes. And that seemed to be well run as well, as opposed to the um, 
the Caribbean Court of Justice. I'm not suggesting that the Caribbean Court of Justice is not well run, but it yeah. seems to be having a harder time to get acceptance from... Yeah, well, I think we have a longer history of that in the Eastern Caribbean, and I think the experience of the Eastern Caribbean judicial system, I believe, will go a long way to supporting the Caribbean Court of Justice, you know. So, you know, I, I do believe in, in the long run, I believe the Caribbean Court of Justice probably what will eventually come about, you know. But I believe the experience that we have learned within the Eastern Caribbean, given the history, will definitely serve serve the, the Caribbean region in, in the long run in terms of justice. I, I think that is true in several arenas. Uh, even in terms of the mon management of the monetary system, if you look at um, Jamaica and Trinidad and Guyana, Barbados seems to be doing a better job at managing their currency. They, they also pegged to the U.S. dollar and they've been stable for a very long time as well. But yeah, the extra region um, can benefit a lot from the experience of the, the Eastern Caribbean countries and the monetary sector um, with ECTEL, the, the regulatory of the of communication and, um, and the judicial system, as you said. So so do you see that as maybe an approach if, if, and I'm going to dream here because my listeners know that I'm really huge on Caribbean unity. Right. Do yeah. you, do you, do you think that that might be an approach where the OECS countries might be able to do that, um, more formal integration first and hopefully the other islands would come along? Well, I believe, you know, the dialogue is ongoing, you know. Uh, it, it is a fact that the OECS is far more integrated than the rest of the region. But I, I do believe the, the, the sentiment or the intent is to move towards uh, a greater form of, of integration, you know. Right now within the Eastern Caribbean, you know, the challenge you mentioned, Liat, the challenge is really the movement of people. And right now, you know, we do have the free movement is a reality in the Eastern Caribbean. You know, you can just use a photo ID or your valid driver's license, and you can move within the region, work within the region, which which is a fantastic thing. You know, it creates greater economies of scale. But uh, I think the will has to be there. The, the the political will has to be there. I think to move more aggressively. Uh, I always feel that the people are moving ahead. You know, in in that regard. But uh, I believe that, uh, you know, there is, there is a sense that we need to move in that direction because of our small nation states and the fact that we, we need to work closer together given our size, you know. We have to give ourselves more critical mass, so to speak, to be able to deal with a number of challenges, challenges ahead. Well, that's it, because you, you, when you told me that the population of the sub-region, the Eastern Caribbean countries, nine countries, and um, our population is just around 600,000. I know Martinique and Guadeloupe um, will add quite a bit to that if, they, if they're really allowed to, to come in as members because they, yeah. they have quite a bit of population. But when you yeah. think about 600,000 people, uh, for one, it's expensive to have individual governments in each other's countries. And yeah. two, I mean, with... with individual consulates with individual embassies with, you know and um and we've had we have so many shining examples of the of good results when we do collaborate 
Of course, yeah, and of course, you know, we, we, you know, the one of the hallmarks of the coming together of the OECS states is the establishment of a common mission abroad, the High Commission, which you know they still exist in in Brussels. We had one in Canada up until 2011, right. where we were sharing resources in terms of representation. You know, right. So you're right. Uh, moving in that direction makes sense in terms of uh, cost. You know, cost savings. So, so your your organization is called OECS Nationals Council of Canada. Yes. What about right. what about the OECS Nationals Council of the United States of America or the OECS National Council of the United Kingdom? Is there is that is that part of the long term plan? I'm not aware that they have this structure in the U.S. or in the United in the uh, in the in, in Europe, but uh, I'm sure they have their own. Structure there within their OECS communities, <clears throat> but we feel like we need to move in this direction to be to have, to be more impactful not only within our community here within Canada but within the region. And uh, the reality, is, an example is Barbados. Barbados has been very active in terms of developing a national council within Canada from, for quite some time now, and they're really fully engaged in their community. And other communities are organized along that line. So I think it's. It's it's a positive step in terms of coming together to work towards a common purpose, you know, a common goal. Right, because I, I think it's such an excellent idea. And uh, and I guess the, the reason why I was bringing it up is that if, if for example, my listeners, because what I like to do on my show, John, is at the, towards the end of the show, I like to talk to my listeners and, and, and distill it down to an action that they can take based right. on the information that, that they have learned from, from the program. And so if you're listeners out there who say, but that is such a good idea, why can't we have an OECS um, Nationals Council of Brooklyn or of New York or of the United States? I imagine yeah, I mean, that they could contact you. Or even in Britain, you know, and there could be cross-collaboration. Exactly. You know? So we'd yeah. be able to contact the organization and maybe, you know, benefit from your experience and, and get some guidance from you guys. Do, do you have a website? What's your contact info for the organization? That sort of thing. Yes, uh, we, we look forward to, to moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's a need to reach us, you can reach us at the OECS Council Canada at gmail.com. Okay, OECS Council Canada, Council Canada, Canada at, gmail. at gmail.com. gmail.com. Right, and then we'll provide additional information. Yeah, certainly, no, that 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 is that is enough because you know, I a... You know, we're working with our PR two PR individuals who are part of the organization is Paul and Leibert from Saint Kitts, and we have Nicole uh, Nicole Nicole Georges Bennett, who is now, as you know, has been instrumental in connecting the organization to TDN. Is also working with us in terms of trying to get the word out, you know in terms of uh, spreading the information that we have to get out to the community. Excellent, excellent um, idea. I, I, I salute you and your organization on, on the idea and being able to put it together and, and, and make it grow from strength to strength. And so, listeners, if, you, if you're fascinated as I am by the idea of an OECS National Council, um, you can always contact John and his organization I send him an email at OECS Council 
at gmail.com. OECS Council. OECS Council Canada. OECS Council Canada, I'm sorry. So OECS Council Canada at gmail.com. Shoot him an email. Or if, if, you, if you don't have a pen, you're driving and, and, and you cannot write, shoot me uh, an email, contact me on Facebook or send me a text, whatever. I go to yeah. our website. And well, we well, I want to emphasize that it's really a collaborative effort. Yeah? This is critical that we collaborate with existing associations, the community, and the consular representative. You know? So we have to work together for, for that common purpose. Even though it's a community-driven organization, there's collaboration at different levels. You see? Right. And so, so if, you, if there's an organization that exists, um, there's benefit coming together and, and working on a, on, on a collaborative effort. So, John, we, we, we are almost at the end of, of, of our time. It's almost 9 o'clock. And um, I'm going to, to you know, leave you with a final word by, by telling us a little bit about you know, the organization. You can repeat what the vision is, what the kind of work that you do. You may want to appeal to persons who are in your area who may want to come to your meetings or to join. Um, so go ahead with the mic, yes. Yes, uh, again, uh, the intent of the council is to continue to raise the consciousness of uh, our nationals, OECS nationals in Canada. And, you know, we look forward to uh, engaging other associations in, in, in the process and to continue to, to celebrate, as we did today, I attended uh, the flag raising of uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadine. I'd like to wish them a happy independence, which is tomorrow. And I was able to celebrate with my former, my colleague, the uh, Fitzgerald Huggins, who is the, uh, who is currently the uh, Council General for St. Vincent and the Grenadine. He's currently in the chair as the Dean of the Caribbean Consular Corps at, at the moment. So we like to support these events and activities. One other event I'd like to mention, Tony, is that upcoming celebrating within the St. Kitts and Nevis community is we are, we are celebrating the centennial of uh, Robert Llewellyn Bratcher, of the right Robert Llewellyn Bratcher. So the, the Sir Robert Llewellyn Bratcher Centennial Celebrations Committee is having a church service and reception on November the 12th which will be circulated throughout the community. And this is in celebrating the life of someone who, you know, is uh, quite an integrationalist, you know, within the region, and someone contributed greatly to the Caribbean in terms of the integration effort and uh, seeking justice for Certainly. And, and, and John, I, I want to say thank you so much for, for taking the time and agreeing to be my guest on this weekend interview. And um, I, I hope that this is this is our first time, but certainly it shouldn't be our last time. Um, the, we, our guest tonight has, was Mr. John Allen. He is the former Honorary Consul General and Director of Canadian Operations for the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis in Toronto, Canada. He was with us tonight as the, in his role as the chairman of the OECS Nationals Council of Canada. So, John, once again, thank you very much, and I wish you all the best on your on your. Thank you so much, endeavor. Tony. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak about the work of the OECS community in Canada, and we look forward to collaborating and partnering with TSN, TDN. In, in terms of 
being able to continue to, to build within our prospective communities. Yes, certainly. And um, as as you have your activities coming up and you have and you you executing your programs, feel very very free to reach out. Uh, we'll always we'll always cut out carve out a segment for you to to promote and inform persons of the work that you do. Much appreciate. Extend my regards to all all of your team and uh, wish them uh, the best best and continue to do the great work that you're doing in in, in creating a voice for the. Uh, not only the Eastern Caribbean, but Caribbean people within North America. Thank you, and the same to you, John. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Bye-bye. Well, listeners, uh, there you have it, another um, tremendous conversation. I am so privileged in my role as the host of this week in interview to, to talk to persons who have achieved so much and who contribute and do so much. Our guest tonight was Mr. John Allen, the chairman of the OECS Nationals Council of Canada and all the work that they do providing um, assistance to, to the countries as they face challenges from disaster. They also allow um, countries to put on their, their heritage and their culture. They're just coming out of hosting the food fair in Toronto. So what um, if you go on, on TDN Read on this weekend interview web, um, Facebook page. I'm sorry, this weekend interview Facebook page, you will see photographs of the, of the various foods that, that was on display at the, at the, at the, the food fair. So I want to warn you, if the food looks good, so don't go there <laughs> on a hungry stomach because your stomach will grumble. But you know, um, very happy to have that conversation with John. And as I said, tomorrow is the independence celebration of the people of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So happy independence to you. And uh, we played your anthem at the top of the hour, at the start of the show. Remember, listeners, um, next week, the 2nd of November, is the Kadas Lipso competition. The Kadas Lipso competition on the 2nd of November, cdntv.net will be carrying that live, so check it out. And um, we, we want to say thank you to our sponsors, Jacko Hosting. Also, listeners, remember, every day you can go to TV to see local programming from Dominica, including the evening news. Every night we carry mappings, evening news. So if you're from Dominica, you have an interest in Dominica, you can catch the news every night on tdntv.net. So next week, obviously, there's no show um, in terms of this week in interview uh, because we will be carrying live, and you will be watching it live, National Cooperative Credit Union um, of Dominica as they put on their, their Kadas Lipso show. So I'll see you next week, and uh, in the meantime, have a good week and uh, a great weekend. Good night. Mm-hmm.